0: at gracekettering.org thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode let's turn to isaiah chapter number nine and we'll look here and then we'll also be in first timothy chapter number one and verse number one so let's go to first isaiah chapter number nine and would you stand with me and let's just give reference to the lord we'd like to start this series to talk to the last week about there is hope jesus calls us to himself Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And I want us to realize all throughout this month, Jesus is the symbol of hope. And uh, we're going to look at that, study that throughout this month, throughout Scripture. Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun, in the land of naphtali and afterwards did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the nations the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light would you say that out loud with me just that phrase the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light this is a prophecy this is looking forward there's dark times in Israel there's difficult times they've been away from the Lord Uh, These tribes have not done what the Lord has wanted them to do. The people walked in darkness. They walked in the darkness of their sin, but they've seen a great light. They that dwell in the land, of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nations and hast not increased the joy. And they joy according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and the the garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. And I want us to read verse number 6 together. Here's the answer to this darkness. Verse number 6. For unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of of the increase of his government, his authority, and the peace shall there be no end. Upon the throne of David... And upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. Now let's read this last phrase together. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We've seen a first part of that. We've seen Jesus come. The great light came. The second part of that is Jesus will rule one day from the throne of David in Jerusalem. And we look forward to that day. It will be an absolutely righteous reign. And there will be peace on earth truly in that in that in that time right now there can be peace in your heart because the light has shined and the light continues to shine through us we're going to study that today how that jesus is hope in a dark world let's pray father help us this morning we pray would you focus our minds on your word lord we we talk about and we read the verse that you are to have preeminence in the church lord without the preeminence of your word in this hour Uh, There is no preeminence of you in the church. And so we exalt it, Lord, by by your help, with your grace, by your Holy Spirit. I want to do my very best to exalt your word. And I pray that in each of our hearts that we would elevate your word, that we listen to it more than anything else in the world, and all the things that might even be going on in our minds, that we would listen to your word and that we'd elevate it. We allow you to guide us today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Have you ever been in a place of total darkness? I'm not talking emotionally, I'm talking physically. Have you ever been in a place of total total darkness where it was just like, it was pitch black and you were—you didn't know where where to go. You didn't know if, if a step was going to be a, a, a bad step. It was a place of total darkness. I can remember one time, to my knowledge, being in a place of absolute total darkness. That was inside Smoke Hole Cavern in Cabins, West Virginia. And uh, they turn off the lights. They—they they warn you that they're going to do this, and they say this is absolute darkness. This is once the lights came back on. Or Jesus, uh, Jason is uh, touching the light, but we were in there, and it was absolute darkness. Now I wasn't really familiar with the cave, there was going to be no steps once those, uh, once those lights were off. There was going to be no moving forward, There's going to be no, uh, no trying to, uh, to explore during that time, it was absolute darkness. And you know what, absolute darkness is kind of a difficult thing. Uh, you don't know where to go, uh, you don't know what's safe, you don't know what to expect, you don't know what's lurking out there. Absolute darkness has a sense of hopelessness. The Bible talks about the darkness that is in the world and yea, even in our hearts by the cause or by the, by the source of sin. That darkness has come upon and there's so many times as we look in out into the world and see the sin that is just encroaching and even, even this week as we've seen uh, more sin applauded. More violation of God's word applauded by uh, highest offices in our in our land. It's it's a difficult thing to watch those things happen. But the sin that we fight with, even in our own lives, what darkness it brings, and what darkness without Christ there is. There's absolute darkness. Now the Bible tells us that Jesus is hope. First Timothy. One in verse number one, Paul said, hey, I'm an apostle. I'm a sent one by the Lord Jesus Christ. But he specifically mentions there, he says, Paul, an apostle, he's writing to his son in the faith, of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives a qualifier. He he explains who this Jesus Christ is. him it's very important that Jesus isn't something distant distant God to you that he is personal and here Paul uh, illustrates um, how that Jesus is very personal to him and he says Jesus Christ the Lord Jesus Christ which is our hope Jesus Christ which is our hope Paul did not say Jesus Christ who gives hope that would be true he does give hope he did not say that, that Jesus Christ brought hope to the earth. He said that Jesus Christ himself, in his person, in his work, is absolutely hope. He embodies hope. Jesus, friends, is absolutely hope. He is the hope that brings light in this dark world in which we live. There is absolute darkness around us because of sin. But Jesus brings hope. He brings clarity. He brings understanding. He brings the way through. He gives guidance through. If you remember, again, like I mentioned last week, Pilgrim's Progress, remember, uh, Christian was told to put his eye on the light. If you've ever read that, how many of you have read Pilgrim's Progress? Pilgrim's Progress oh, we need to help you all out. You need, to, you need to find that and listen to it. But Pilgrim's Progress is a, is a wonderful allegory of coming to Jesus Christ and, and, and the, the struggle it is to come to Christ and, and to uh, uh, lay your burden of sin down at the cross and move on to the celestial city. What a wonderful allegory it is. But he was told as he left his city of destruction, that's where he lived, the city of destruction. That's where all, all of us start out, the city of destruction. We are, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We deserve the penalty of death. But he was told to fix his eye on the light, go towards the light. That's exactly right. Jesus is hope in a dark world. He provides the light that we need uh, to, uh, to have eternal life, to get through this life in a way that would please it would please God. So, what's this hope? We use this hope so flippantly, so uh, loosely. I hope, I hope the Buckeyes win. Sorry to bring up a sore subject. I don't have really a dog in the fight, but but nonetheless, there's a there's a hope. You know, we. Oh, I hope I can get off work early. I hope I can make it to that party and and we just kind of throw it on it's like a I wish but that is not as we've said many times here that is not the sense of biblical hope biblical hope is a confident expectation in the goodness in the control and the Word of God a true biblical hope can only be had in something that is unchanging or someone that is unchanging all of us have set our hope or our dreams in something or someone that changed. We've set our, uh, well I think about it even right now, as we consider our, our economy. Some, uh, some of you have laid up and, uh, and, and set aside and have saved and, and, and have tried to be good stewards of the money that God's given, uh, given to you and you, you set it aside and then you watch as things change very, very quickly and, and your accounts get affected right biblical hope can only be had in something that is absolutely unchanging or something that is unchanging Jesus is that that unchanging individual the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever listen if your hope is in a person if your hope is in a something or a someone other than Jesus Christ, you at some point along the lines are going to have your hope dashed. And we live in a world that is, is constantly being dashed by the next thing. They move from one relationship to the next. Well, I hope this one will work out, and it gets dashed. I hope this job works out, and it gets dashed. I hope this doctor helps me. I hope this, this counselor helps me. And we move from one thing One thing, one thing to the next. And friends, your neighbors, your co-workers live with crushed hopes. There is hope, and it's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And first, on this Sunday, I want us to see that this hope is that we can have in Christ is because he brought light into a dark world, an unquenchable light, a light that... Men have tried to put away in in the early church. They've tried to squelch the message of this light. They tried to squelch the messengers of this light, and it kept on shining. It kept on getting out. On that day when Jesus was put at the cross and he finally gave up the ghost, Satan thought he had extinguished the light, but no, three days later it broke forth in glorious light. What an amazing, what an amazing triumph. And it continues to do that over and over and over again. Jesus promised that he would build his church and the, church on the, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Over and over, man tries to squash the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he can't. Even the struggles and hurdles that we've seen in getting Bibles to people in, in an island, God continues to triumph. And his light continues to break forth. Oh, there's no changing in Jesus. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from, um, cometh down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variableness. There's no. There's no mm, waffling. There's no turning. No, not him. James 1.17 says neither is there a shadow of turning. There's not even the glimmer that he might turn. There's not even the, the, the remote possibility that he might turn. He's, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so let's look at what Jesus brought into this world in a very dark world, in his time, a very dark world, and how he brought the light in and what he wants to do with that light even today in our lives. Notice the dark world of Jesus' time. Would you do that with me? Isaiah 9 and verse number 2. Isaiah prophesied of this. He said, there is people that are walking in darkness. There's a glorious light coming. There's a great light coming. But there is a darkness that pervades uh, all humanity. I want us to realize Isaiah prophesied this some 700 years before Jesus came to earth. Let that sink in. Let the reality that God knows what's going to happen in the future and told us and it came to pass strengthen your faith today that no matter what you're going through God will bring you to the other side of the trial trials do have an end challenges have an end we can't see the other uh, other side but God brought them through the darkness don't doubt in the night what God showed you in the light keep on going through keep obeying his word continue going forward and he prophesies hey people you're in you're in darkness now but there's a great light coming now the fact is there's always been light in god there's always been light in his revelation there's always been a a clarity that comes from listening to god and they had that at that point but he's referring specifically to the light of the messiah and so 700 years ahead he's prophesying this and the world in which Jesus finally came into those 700 years later was indeed a very dark world. I want us to think about that for a moment. And I take this from, uh, from the writings of David Schrock, a, 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 a biblical commentator and writer, and I want us to just con- consider the matter of the darkness of the world that pervaded it at that time. Uh, Notice, first of all, there was 400 years of silence between the end of Malachi and the beginning of the Gospels when they began to write about the birth of Jesus Christ in, in, in Matthew 1 and verse number 1. There was 400 years where God was not revealing his word. Remember the Bible you have in your hand, all 66 books. We believe we have the completed word of God. It is our final authority for faith and practice. We want to make this, uh, this elevate this in our hearts, our minds, and in our, in our church. And so this is our, our authority. It's completed. We believe that. But the Bible, over a period of 1,500 years, was being revealed to man on three different uh, three different continents, uh, over, uh, around uh, 40 different off- authors, or I, I should say penmen, who wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so they're writing this down in three different languages, and it's all cohesive. And Just understand that between the Testaments, there's 400 years where God zipped his lip. He wasn't revealing himself to prophets. He, it was dark. Let me tell you, When God is not speaking in our hearts, when there's silence, that's a very, very dark time. Have you known spiritual darkness before Before you came to Christ? I don't know where to go. I don't know where an answer is. There's all these churches out there, and I I don't know which one to pick. Who has the right? Everyone says they're right, and it's darkness, right? And there was a spiritual darkness at that time. God was not speaking at that time. In fact, Uh, Josephus says that the succession of the prophets had failed. There weren't prophets standing up. Uh, Maccabees says that they tore down the altars and stored the stones in a convenient place on the temple hill until there should come a prophet to tell them what to do with them. They were dismantling the places of worship. 400 years. How long have we been around as a nation? Not 400 years. And think about that. We don't live 400 years, and to think generations going by where there's no word from God what spiritual darkness Jesus was born into. There was oppressive rule of the Romans, number two. There was oppressive rule of the Romans. They had oppressed and dominated and occupied all of Jerusalem, the Jewish territories. They they had a superpower at that time. The Roman road system was Uh, Was um, put throughout um, that area of the world and they were they were holding especially the Israelites the Jewish nation under bondage there were uh, there was kind of a police state. The Roman soldiers were uh, about in the city, ready to act at a moment 's notice if there was any any rioting, any uproar. and we see that even in acts twenty uh, three and twenty four when immediately when there was that uproar around Paul being in the temple and them thinking he brought a Gentile into the temple, the, uh, the, all the soldiers come out of the fortress Antonia and they 're down there in an instant and they are taking control of the situation. That was the constant, the constant feeling around around Israel around Jerusalem was the oppression of Rome and I I don't know that we can really sense that because we haven't lived under that unless you've come maybe perhaps from another another nation where you've where you've known that but the fact is that's a very very difficult thing to see every every day to see a foreign nation dominating you dominating and calling the shots in your in your community and that's a, that's a difficult thing. So there was political darkness. There was political darkness. There, there was all around them. Everywhere you looked, there was this, the, the reminder that we are under the authority of Rome and we don't like it. And that was the reality there in Israel. The nation of Israel was divided as a, as a nation. There were four general um, groups of religious political leaders within, within the nation. We often talk about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They made up the, the Sanhedrin, that group of, uh, of 70 ruling elders led by the high priest. So there were those groups, but there was also the Essenes and the Zealots. And these four competing groups uh, were, were constantly vying for power and, and uh, control over the people. They are constantly putting themselves forward. The Zealots, as you might recognize, they were more of a nationalistic group, and they sought to overthrow Rome. And if you remember, uh, Barabbas who the people chose over Jesus, was a part of that, that group. He was an insurrectionist. He was trying to overthrow the, um, the Roman rule, and he was a, a murderer in, in that way. And so they chose him, and, and part of even their choosing him over Jesus was the reality that they wanted desperately to be out, out from under the Roman, the Roman rule, and Jesus was not coming through and setting up his kingdom, as they thought. And so that was a tension there, and so there was a national darkness. Darkness permeated Judaism, and 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 it just kind of the, the tone of them as a nation. We talk about patriotism here in, in the nation, and when our country is struggling, it's hard to to, um, to stand up and say you know um, be all patriotic and so forth. Well, just understand that's where they that's where they were. They were struggling under this national darkness that was all around them. There was tensions and divisions, even as we see in our day. The birth of Jesus Christ came through a virgin. We are so used to reading Matthew one twenty three and saying, Praise the Lord! God sent His Son in this miraculous way, and, and God was His Father, the, and he, he used a virgin to, uh, to bear this child into the world. And, and what an amazing thing, but it wasn't in that day. No one was sending Christmas cards in that day to one another with, uh, with Mary and Jesus in the manger on the front. They weren't setting up nativity scenes and and lauding that. This was a perceived scandal. And it continued that way all throughout Jesus' life. We be not born of fornication, is what they would say about him. And so it was constantly surrounding Jesus and his birth. And just understand that even in that that time, Jesus' very birth was perceived as a scandal was perceived as a violation of God's God's Word, though we understand from God's Word that it was not. The census that Mary and Joseph needed to leave Nazareth and go down to Bethlehem about 100 miles, uh, this brought about some darkness. And what do I mean by that? Uh, Understand, Mary and Joseph, they were not wealthy individuals. This trip would have been of a cost to them. They would have had to travel. They would have had to take time away from work. Uh, they didn't have the modern conveniences of getting in a car and driving those 100 miles and what just a little uh in about an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes they didn't have that that comfort they didn't have the heat they didn't have uh the the protection of being in on a highway and just uh that's that's lit or on a highway and that they're surrounded by a car they had to go on foot and by donkey and so on so they're they're making this this trip down there and she, uh, she gives birth in a, in a foreign place, but she's down there particularly because of this edict or this mandate from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Understand, as they went down there, they're, they're in their minds, we're going down there to be a part of the census so they can know how to tax us, so they can know how to take some more money. They can get what they want. This is a dark time. Mary and Joseph weren't, you know, cheerfully running down there and saying, yeah, great, I get to go, get, get, go, um, go pay taxes. April 15th rolls around and everyone uh, you know, shouts, hi, uh, shouts hallelujah and, and, and gives high fives. No, 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 it was a difficult time. And it was forced upon them. And they didn't pay their taxes online. Right? They didn't do any of that. They didn't mail it in. They had to go 100 miles away and be apart. And she was nine months pregnant wow difficult so the the census was difficult and forced and what a difficult and dark journey the giving of birth in a strange place without family around they didn't have the same medical care that we had in this day and we understand that she was born and that jesus was born uh, in a, uh, a stable, uh, as we learned last year, at the Migdal Adar, at a place where uh, sheep were, were birthed, right there in, in Jerusalem. It's very interesting. If you go back to Micah, it even foretells where exactly in, uh, in Bethlehem he would be born, where the temple, the temple shepherds were, and they, they kept their flocks out there just a, a distance from Jerusalem, and uh, right there in the Migdal Adar, where they would... Normally have a safe place to, um, to allow some birth and also would have the swaddling on cloths there that they would use to protect the, the new little young lambs. But it was an unfamiliar place. And important in that day, mom wasn't there. Family wasn't around. Joseph, that was his hometown. But it, uh, uh, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't hers. And so what a difficult place for, for Mary to be in Uh, The murdering after Jesus was born, the murdering of the children under two years of age. Now think about that. I think we pass over that. Talk about the absolute mourning that must have been heard throughout the land as moms. Think about that. You have two-year-olds. Think about them being ruthlessly taken by soldiers and killed. You talk about a darkness. You talk about a wickedness. As wicked as abortion is today. And except after the fact, this is after after, they're born and taken. Why? Because a king was jealous that he had heard that this was a king of the Jews, that a, a, a king had been born. Talk about the jealousy and the political power struggle that was going on. What a dark, dark day into which Jesus was born. The darkness was a mix of spiritual, political, and personal struggle. It was all around. Not too far off of what we continue to see in our world today around us. There's many of those points that we can say, you know what, I see that. You know, Jesus was born in, into the midst of, of that darkness why is there darkness sin the curse go back to Genesis chapter number three and we find that it was there that this all began that death and and the vine for power all that began there in in Genesis chapter three but John 319 says and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light why because their deeds are Evil. Darkness is the result of, of sin. 1 John 5 and verse number 19. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Well, there's darkness that pervades our world. And friends, it's not new. It was in the time of Jesus' time and it is on, also in our time. But here's the glorious truth. The light of the world came into that darkness and he's still here. But the light of the world came into that darkness just as Isaiah prophesied those 700 years before. He prophesied, he said in verse number 2, they that, um, that dwell in the, the shadow of death, upon them hath light shined. They that dwell in the, the land where there's death and there's mayhem, there's confusion, and even the death of those, those children, in them, upon them has light shined. Yes, it was the Messiah that... that Isaiah was looking forward to he prophesied this and he says for unto us a child is born unto us A son is given and his name shall be wonderful counselor the Mighty God and you wonder why I emphasize that some religions will come to your door and knock on your door and they'll take you to that Passage and they'll talk about something like a Mighty God or and they'll they'll try to uh, uh, Help you to believe that that Jesus is not God, but it says in my Bible And I believe it says in your Bible today, it's the mighty God, amen? Amen. And we believe that Jesus is the God-man and the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the Lord, by his own zeal, by his own passion, was going to perform this thing. And so Isaiah prophesied it. The light has come into the world. The light will come. What what happened a little bit later on? Simeon, he's in the, uh, the temple waiting there night and day and he's waiting. He asked God, Simeon, a very devout and godly man in Luke chapter number two, he asked God, God, I don't want to die until I see this light. I don't want to die until I see the Messiah come. God heard him. God answered his prayer. By the Spirit of God, he directed him when, when, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the, uh, the temple after, after his birth, sometime. And Simeon declares this Luke 2 and verse number 32 He declares a light as he looks at Jesus as he has him in his arms as he looks at Jesus a light to lighten the Gentiles to illuminate the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel This is him. This is the light. He's here now a little bit later on Simeon says Lord, let thy servant depart in peace for mine eyes have seen thy salvation I've seen him. I've seen him. The light had come into the world. Simeon recognized it. John the Baptist, who was not much older than Jesus, as he got into his public ministry out in the wilderness and preaching uh, on the, um, the Jewish people, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to come and begin his public ministry, and he bore witness of the light. John 1 and verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light. Which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Which illuminates every man. Which gives every man the answer. It was the presence of Jesus Christ that gave men the direction, where to go, how to be reconciled with God. He was the, um, the one that came into the world to light every man single heart and that's still his desire today but jesus declared himself to be that light john 8 and verse number 12 then jesus uh, again uh, spake again saying i am the light of the world let's say that together i am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness there's the answer to our world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life, the light in their soul, the light in their eyes, the light in their heart, the light, and he that walks and follows after Jesus would have that light. Jesus would illuminate the way to have reconciliation with the Father. Praise the Lord for that. Jesus would illuminate the way through uh, through the political, through the spiritual, through the personal darkness that plagued men and women in that day. Jesus would illuminate the way. And he still wants to illuminate the way even today. The light has illuminated our hearts, many hearts here. If you have not yet accepted that light, the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus into your heart, today, as Corinthians says, is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait. You can have clarity. You can have clarity about your sin, Christ's righteousness, and your accountability to God. You can have clarity through Jesus Christ, through his his word. It would be our delight to take the Bible and show you, how you can personally know that when you die you'll spend eternity in heaven that that you have light in your soul about that what a great what a great thing to know and he has come to us to give us that light the bible says in first peter two in verse number nine you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation speaking to believers a peculiar people not weird but a people set apart right And it says, it goes on, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. To His marvelous light. What a a glorious transformation that Jesus has made in our lives. The moment that you accept Jesus Christ by faith, acknowledging your own sinfulness before a holy God, but accept what He did for you in your place at the cross. What a glorious transition. You're moved from darkness... Wandering about in absolute darkness, no hope, no understanding of which way to go, what is right, what is truth, you accept Him by faith and He gives you light. Now the Bible tells you and I, as people who have accepted the light, Ephesians 5 and verse 8, for we were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Say that with me. Walk as children of the light. That means tomorrow and the rest of this day, we are to walk according to the to what God has shown us, according to what he's revealed to us in his word. We are to walk as children of the light. We are to walk after Jesus. We are to follow after his steps. We are to pattern our lives after him. And I just simply ask us and challenge us with that. Are you walking as children of the light? You don't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to do the same things the world does around you. You don't have to follow after the same vain deceits and empty promises that the world does. You can walk as children Of the light. And that's a a great blessing. That's something that brings us great hope in this day that we live that's so off, so difficult. We can walk as children of the light. And so Jesus came into the world as the light of the world. But I want us to notice one more thing about this. And this personally relates to us. I want us to notice the lights, the lights of the world, the lights of the world. What do we mean by that? Well, Jesus is the light. There's one sun, right? The light of the world. We're thankful for that in a a physical setting, but Jesus is the light of the world. And I want us to realize, and would you go ahead and turn there with me, Revelation chapter number 1, and I want us to realize, as Jesus is the light of the world, he's illuminated the hearts of men through his message through the gospel uh, that all must be born again, that sinners can come to him and find full forgiveness of sin by faith and be translated from darkness to light. He's the light of the world. He gives us clarity. You no longer have to say, when you believe on Jesus, you no longer have to say, I wonder where I'll spend eternity. I don't know. I wonder. Oh, I hope so. No, he gives clear light. He gives clear light. There's clear understanding. There's, there's a reality. I know where I'm going. He gives that light. So the light of the world has come into the world. And he's given that to us, but he's left lights in the world. Lights. Look at Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 10. John, the apostle John, not John the Baptist, the apostle John who wrote also or penned the gospel of John. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What's the Lord's day? It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Why do we we worship and gather on this day? Because this is the day we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. The Jewish people worshiped on the Sabbath day, that seventh day. But our seventh day is the Lord's day. This is his day. And that's why we gather in obedience to him. Also because we get to. You don't have to gather. We get to gather. Right, we get to be here. We get to gather around the word. And so, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, Now in your Bibles, what color are these words? All right. So we know that Jesus is speaking to John. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book. And send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. I want us to just pause and think about what Jesus has just said. Jesus told John to pen something on behalf of Jesus. And he said, I want it to go to the churches. I know, but you, I'm really thankful that we have the preserved word of God today. And those churches, though removed by time, there's churches just like us, gatherings just like us, that received a letter to them, penned by John from Jesus, that he wanted them to hear. And he preserved it so that it would affect us still today, that it would, would light our path still today. Let's move on. Verse number 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, garment down to the foot and girded about the paps with a, a golden girdle. So he is, he is clothed from head to foot in his glorified body. body. There's a pattern of what Jesus is just portraying right there. And so he's, uh, he's clothed in this, this robe, but also a girdle about him, and he's standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Well, what is this? This seems like imagery that's going on. Well, let's advance to verse number 20. And Jesus explains something. By the way, when you don't understand something in Scripture, keep on reading. The Bible is its own best commentary. It does explain itself. There's times we have, to, we have to sit on that and think about that a little bit more, but here's a perfect example. Keep on reading. Verse number 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Specifically there, it's referring to the pastors that God has set in those seven churches. All right, So those pastors are going to receive a letter in Philadelphia, Smyrna, Thyatira, etc., They're going to receive a letter from Jesus penned by John specifically to their church. They are responsible for leading the church and therefore Jesus is going to say something to them that they are going to need to lead the church in. So these letters were going to be written unto those those stars, uh, unto those angels, those pastors. It goes on, verse number 20. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. What I want us to grab here is the picture of the church and the light that it is in the world. Now, the church is not a building. Right? It's people, it's you. You make up this this light. And I want us to remember something that Jesus is standing in our midst. Just like he was there, he's standing in our midst. And just like he held those churches accountable, he he holds us accountable. Just like he held those pastors accountable, he holds me accountable. And he had a message for them. But he, he uses this picture. They're candlesticks. They're light. Do you know that this church is to be a light in this community? It is to be a light of Jesus Christ in this community. Jesus is intensely interested in Grace Baptist Church being the very brightest light that it possibly can be in this community. How does that happen? You go out. I'm going to touch on this a little bit more in a second. But I want us to see... Jesus looks at this, our church, just like those churches, as a candlestick, as a light. As a light. There's lights in the world that Jesus has left behind. He is the light of the world, but He's left behind lights in the world. Uh, uh, Jesus specifically sends believers to people groups that need light, to cities, to communities. The nations that need light. He specifically is sending, even in our day, those Bibles to Grenada. They need light down there. Amen. He, he's sending that. He's working all that together. But he has put us here as light. But he also takes from churches just like ours and says, you know what? I need you to go to Africa. I need you to go to Russia. I need you to go to Willoughby. I need you to go across town. I need you to be a light. You say, how so? Acts 26. If you'll turn there. Acts 26 and verse number 14. Paul is talking and giving, um, giving a record of his life, his testimony before another uh, ruler. He says, in reference back to Acts chapter 9, he says here in Acts twenty six fourteen, And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So there's great light, great light, Great light that shone from heaven there in Acts chapter 9. Knocked Saul off of his, of his creature that he was riding, and he's down on his knees, and so are all the others that are around him because of this great blinding light that blinded him for three days. The Bible talks about Jesus, and, uh, Jesus having light that no man can approach to. I mean, so gloriously bright. So. Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus. Saul is not a believer at this point, but now Jesus asks him in his own tongue. Aren't you thankful for that today, that Jesus talks to us in our own tongue? And we've heard a lot about translating the Bible into people's heart heart language, into their, their native tongue and the importance of that. Right here we see that Jesus wants to talk to you in your own tongue. He wants to talk to you so that you can understand. And so here he is, he's saying this, why is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? Aren't you, aren't you isn't it hard to kick against the constant uh, conviction of your soul that this isn't right, that you're doing the wrong thing? And verse 15, I, Paul, said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Oh, so he is persecuting Jesus, but he was actually attacking his church. Yes, to attack the church is to persecute Jesus. To hurt the church of Jesus Christ is to hurt Jesus. To disrespect the church of Jesus Christ, to to devalue the church of Jesus Christ, is to hurt Jesus. And Paul was doing that. And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, Jesus as a resurrected Lord, and of those things which I will appear unto thee. I'm going to give you more revelation that you're going to write down. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And I want us to catch verse number 18. To open their eyes and turn them from what? Darkness to light. Jesus is specifically calling upon Paul to, take to help people go from darkness to light. He's sending them to the Gentiles. He goes, and from the power of Satan that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He's saying, Paul, I don't want you doing this anymore. Believe me. I have a purpose for you. You're going to help people come from darkness to light. Friends, what a calling. What a privilege to live a life focused on helping people get from darkness to light. Was that only for Paul? No. Jesus called every single believer in the world a light, the light of the world. Matthew 5 and verse number 14, ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You can't hide light. Light shines. Light goes where people may not want it to go. Light shines. Listen, if a burglar is coming up on your front step and the security light shines, they can't control that light. It just shines and it illuminates the darkness. Friends, that is the same with what Jesus has done with you. He's left you in this world to be a light in the darkness. Just as he came to light the darkness, he has left you to be a light in the darkness. And the question is, will you allow the light of Jesus Christ within you that, that you've received by faith to be a light? Are you putting it under a bushel? Are you allowing sin or besetting sins or, 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 or struggles in your life to bushel that? Or you have the, the light lifted high and brightly so everyone can see this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine, right? I'm going to let it shine. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel. Don't do that. It doesn't even make logical sense. No, let it shine. Let it shine. Well, they don't want it. They didn't want it in Jesus' day. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. They won't receive it. You know, they cannot... Not receive it. I know that's bad English. They can't stop your light. They can't stop the peace that they see in your heart. They can't tell you not to shine at work. Friends, the light should just shine. Our lives should just be very, very different. Now, we have to back that up with a message, but our light should be very, very different. They can't stop that. You, you can't, you can't say, stop shining. It, 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 it's there. When Jesus is allowed to be preeminent in our lives, it shines. So go shine and shine via good works. The Bible says, Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men. Okay, so how is that? Just, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I don't have that iridescence. I, 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 how do I shine? Well, the Bible says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's through your good works. It's through your actions, it's through your attitudes, it's through your words, it's through the difference in your life, your light shines very, very brightly. One particular way that the light shines in us as a church, that Jesus said by this, shall all men know that you're my disciples, my followers, if ye love one another." You know that's a commandment: to love one another. Well, we have differences. Love one another. We don't always agree. Love one another. Friends, when the world sees a divided church, divided believers, it diminishes the light. We want to be loving one another as Jesus has told us to do, care for one another, and allow the light to shine very, very brightly everywhere we go whether that's in your family gatherings, whether that's in your workplace, whether that's in your neighborhood, we want the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to shine very, very brightly. No person, no present, no paycheck, no promotion will ever give you hope like that of the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, let's get our eyes off the temporary. Let's get our eyes off the things that that bog us down. Let's get our eyes on the one who alone can give us hope. He is unchanging. He uh, He is the someone who does not change. And he's given us something that does not change. And we must keep our eyes fixed completely on him. Jesus is hope in a dark world. And as I think through the... The words of Isaiah 9-6, he is wonderful, he is counselor, he is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, but the Bible goes on and calls him our Redeemer, the friend of sinners, a merciful high priest, one that is uh, acquainted with our infirmities, the mighty God, the, the Word in flesh, the one that is full of grace and truth, perfectly balanced all the time. He is Alpha and Omega as we have As we have read there, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the comforter who sent another comforter to be with us. He's a guide. He's a teacher. He's our pattern for living. And he is our provider. And so, so much more. Jesus is hope in a dark world. And friends, if you have him in your heart, you know that light. And the world needs to see that light from each one of us even this week. And so, Lord, help us with that. And let's ask him for that even now. Would you bow with me in prayer? Darkness brings dread. Light brings hope. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to encourage you to receive Jesus Christ by faith today. When I want to ask if, if that's the case with you do, you. do you know? Do you know for certain right now that if you were to die today, five years from now, do you have certainty in your heart? Do you have confidence in your heart and assurance that you'd spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ, that you'd be with Jesus Christ, that your sins are forgiven, you've trusted in Jesus Christ in that way. You say, yes, Pastor, I'm, I am certain of that, not because of me, but because of placing faith in Jesus Christ. Would you just give a testimony with lifting up your hand this morning to that? Amen. So many, So many hands, and I appreciate that, and praise the Lord for being a part of a, a gathering of believers. If you're not able to raise your hand, I'd like to encourage you To receive Jesus Christ. Receive that light. Yes, you need to admit. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've fallen short of His standard of perfection. You need to admit that. You need to admit that you are a sinner that that does deserve the wages of of sin, which is death. According to Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God doesn't tell us the bad news and leave us there. He also gives us the good news, which is the gift of God. What He's offering you through the person of Jesus Christ. Have you received that by faith today? Have you received that at some point in your life? Have you called out to Him? The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called out to Him? I wonder, is there anyone here this morning, no one's looking around, but you say, Pastor, I've not yet done that. I've not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, but today I'd like to do that. Is there anyone, I will not point you out, but is there anyone here like that? That's the, the need that you have in your heart this morning. That's you before the Lord. Is anyone like that? Would you just put your hand up and put it back down? Love to pray for you. Again, I wouldn't point you out. Love to help you. Believe I'm speaking to mostly believers then. And I want to encourage you as believers. Would you fix your eyes on true hope. He brought light into this world. He's illuminated your heart through the message of the gospel. But would you fix your eyes today and this week on him? There's so many distractions. There's burdens. There's there's problems that surround all of our lives. But would you fix your eyes on him? Would you trust in him alone? Would you pray a simple prayer like this? Father, I've been looking to many someones and some some things that have dashed my hopes over and over again. But today, I'm just reminded that I need to fix my eyes on you. And you allow the light of your word to guide me. Maybe you pray something like that. I'm going to pray and then give an opportunity for us just to silently kneel here at the altar or at your seat, and to talk to the Lord about these things in specific. Father, thank you that Jesus is the light of the world. Thank you for the light that you've given to us through your word even today. And I pray for every person here, no matter the problems that they're facing, that they would remove their eyes from the some ones or the some things that will not give hope and put them on the someone that alone is hope. And that's you. And we thank you for that. We give you praise for that. We ask that you'd help us just to uh, communicate with you, settle these things in our heart before we leave. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed, let's stand to our feet. Just in, in silence this morning, would you find a place to pray? Find a place to kneel before the Lord if you're physically with you. Come to the altar here and pray. Let's just seek the Lord for a few moments here. Set your eyes on Jesus who is hope. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.